Good, good evening, good evening, good evening, and welcome to the RIP 28 podcast. The RIP 28 podcast. It is a place where a couple of fellas can get together and we can talk about a couple of things. Now, some of these things we talk about, you might like. Some of the things we talk about, you might not like. But on the RIP 28 podcast, we're going to keep on talking about them. I am Sly Williams. They call me Sly the Sports Guy, but I'm joined by three my good old friends, friends that I've known for a long time, the members of the RIP 28 podcast. We start off in the upper left. Mr. C. Nez, what's going on, Chance? What's going on, Chance? I'm making them dance. Hey, from SC, Memphis, Tennessee, Kansas City, Arkansas, back to the ATL. Holla. What's going on down in the bottom, the original D5 monster? What's going on, Coop? Man, ain't nothing, ain't nothing. Still booming on these fools on this 2K, but now. <laughs> We doing a big day in the little country, man. We uh-huh. get at you. And look here in the other corner, the other corner, my man, Mr. Coach Bennett, the original HBCU grad. How left. Hey, what's up, people? Glad to be back on the podcast. I took my Martin hiatus. Now I'm back. I was trying to see what we got going on between these PWIs and these HBCUs. You're doing that Tommy stuff over there. I ain't got no job. <laughs> All right. Well, well, you got us. You got a little preview of the topic right there. You see in the bottom corner, time says HBCU grad. So this week, man, you know a lot is going on in the world, especially with us as black folk. You know, and it's causing a lot of us black folk to become a little bit more woke, a little bit more aware of our surroundings, and and a little bit more focused on our culture. So one thing that's kind of going on in our mind is, is the importance of HBCUs, you know, and that age-old debate whether or not I should send myself or my child to an HBCU or to a PWI. Now, for those of you who don't know what HBCU is, HBCU is a historically black college and university, and a PWI is a predominantly white institution. So that's the difference. Now, you have three of us over here. We all went to uh, PWIs. Now, Chance, Chance all went to uh, Memphis, Memphis State. Well, Memphis University now, no longer Memphis State. Uh, Andre went to Wingate, Wingate University. And my, my, myself, I went to Eastern Kentucky University. Now, in the bottom right, I don't know, we shouldn't have him in the bottom. He need to be on the top. But he down in the bottom anyway. But anyway, Anton Bennett, as you can see, proud HBCU grad, he actually – went to Benedict College. So Anton has that uh, HBCU experience. And then myself, I actually coach football at Allen University, a small uh, private HBCU in Columbia, South Carolina. So so that's basically our, our, our panel's educational background when it comes to HBCUs and PWIs. Now, the age of now the, the, the question that all of us as fathers, we all have children, and we get our man chance to lean back just a little bit. He got something special on his shirt right here. He's a TSU dad. That's Tennessee State, Tennessee State University. He's, it's a, it's a, he's a, a new TSU dad, so he's sending his daughter to a uh, to an HBCU. So the thing is, you know, why should we send our kids – to HBCU rather than a PWI. Let, let me ask you, Tom, you, you went to HBCU. What, what, what's the benefit of going to HBCU? Well, you know, 
HBCU is, is, is said to be a historically black college university. But the one thing I can say that the benefit was is being around your own and seeing that your own people are so much different, when you, you know, being in one group. You know, you have your rich, you have your poor, you have your, your golfs, you have your whatever in your own culture, though. And you learn that going to a PWI, all black people lumped together, put in a, in a group saying this is your African-American community. You know, at HBCU, all of this is your African-American community. It's not just lumped in one corner saying, you know, I'm, I'm a, you, you, you're a wealthy black or, or a poor black. You, you got, it's a gamut of, of different cultures in the black community. And that's one of the benefits I got from going to HBCU. Now, see, that's interesting you say that now because, like like you said, we all kind of lumped together. Now, I went to EKU. EKU is a, a pretty big school. I think at one time, uh, I don't know, but I know when I was there, it was 16,000 people. That was a lot of kids, you know, at a school. But it might have been 500 black people. And when I say we was all lumped together, you know, you take those 500, probably about 200 of them was in the athletics, you know, between yeah. football, track, basketball, you know, a little bit of volleyball. They were all athletes. So we kind of all had that same black experience. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's a whole different world from, from what you guys saw at HBCU. What, what about you, Chance? You went, to, you went to Memphis. Now, Memphis Memphis one of the blackest cities in America. Yeah. When, uh, when Tom was talking about that, I was, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, it predominantly white institution, but for the most part, I, I would beg to say at least 35, 40% black probably. So, I mean, we had all the fraternities, sororities, everything. And I mean, it was, it was like his own little HBCU within the campus. But like Tom said, you know, you did have a bunch of um, other races and stuff like that too. And I get, I think kind of a little bit of difference from our school too. We didn't have all the dorm rooms as a as a usual college. We were kind of commuter school. So most people like, you know, lived at home and drove in back and forth to school and stuff too. So that made it a little bit different. But you know, me playing football, I hung around my football family for sure. And then end up being in a fraternity, Phi Beta Sigma Incorporated, uh that's a new chapter. Um and you know, that was another great experience of, you know, just uh African-American culture at college as well. So my experience may be a little different than most uh, PWIs, but I did go to one. You know, I, I, find, I find that funny when you said, um, you know, your experience and you talked about your Greek life on campus. Because I think, I think back to EKU, it, it was absolutely no black Greek life on campus when I was at EKU. I think we had two Deltas. We had two Deltas on campus, not near, a, not near AKA, no um, Sigma Gamma Rho, no, no Zetas on campus. You know, um, on, the, on the male side in the fraternities, on the, I, I can't recall if any Alphas, um, um, uh, the Kappas, the Kappas actually started a chapter my junior year, they started a chapter in three guys crossed. And it was one little Puerto Rican guy running around shouting he was a cute. But whenever, <laughs> we, whenever we went to Kentucky State, 
if we was around real cues, he was never he was never any way to be seen. So that, that black Greek life didn't exist for me at all, at all. Yeah, now, we had the biggest chapter in the in the country when I was there, as far as uh, signals. Okay. Now, what what about you, Coop? You you going to uh, Wingate Wingate uh, School in uh, North Carolina? What what was yeah. your experience like? <clears throat> Yeah, Wingate definitely was a uh, culture shock for me, you know, coming from, you know, our background, predominantly black high school, going to a predominantly white college. And, like, literally, the biggest shock for me was when I found out we only had, like, six or seven black females on campus. <laughs> so I was just like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's about 50 of us on the football team. It was about another <laughs> eight or nine on the basketball team. It was another three or four on the baseball team. And then you got a few randoms that's going across campus. I'm like, oh, that ain't enough to go around. You know what I'm saying? So that was like, that was a big trip trip for me or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, like you said, I, mean, I definitely, uh, I definitely can say I definitely mingled, you know, with the Caucasians. I didn't um, necessarily shut myself down to only, you know, the African-American group or whatever. Like I said, we pretty much just outnumbered. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you weren't playing the sport, like, you, that was the only reason why most black men anyway that was on campus, you was playing the sport. Like I said, it might have been maybe three to four guys that might have been there just straight on academic. So, so of course, you kind of, my hand got kind of forced to hang out with, you know, the Caucasians and do some of their things, you know, kind of got, uh, kind of got my alcohol one-on-one from them. You know how they get down. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it definitely was a coach shot, a very different experience from what I was used to. Great girlfriend name was Becky. <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> you, you know, you know that's interesting. You bring that up, you know, culture shock. All of us, you know, uh, full disclosure, all of us actually went to high school together. You know, Chance, Dre, and myself graduated. Anton a year, was a year behind us. But we all went to high school together. We all went to a predominantly black school. It might have been about 80, 20 black to white, you know, when we graduated there. But, you know, going to a, a white atmosphere, it was kind of a culture shock for myself. Now, you know, Eastern Kentucky, you know, we got we got those those, those a bunch of those Kentucky boys from the hills, you know, and they they, they were real white. Yeah. yeah of course. I don't know no <laughs> other way to put it, but but other than they were they were real white. And so I look back though at some of the things I saw them do, I felt as as an older man, I felt kind of cheated because I didn't do some of those things, you know, some of it out of fear and some of it out of, you know, maybe that just seemed too white and, and I was just young and made the, the wrong, the wrong decision of not joining them. And so like during the off season, they would go cave diving, you know, Kentucky has some famous caves or whatever. And then you'll see the white boys come back to campus, boots all muddy, pants all muddy, and they like, whoa, had a great time. We was in the caves, deep underground, all this. And I'm thinking to myself, to myself, you know, the adventure in me, the adventure in me, I'm like, yeah, that sounds fun, man. That sounds like something I would love to do. But then that common sense come out and say, man, I ain't about to go with these white folks diving in no cave. They leave my ass in some cave somewhere, you know what I'm saying? So, so you know, it's like, I ain't doing that. Yeah, and like, <laughs> I, I think I might have missed out on it. And I look back at, some of the people who went to Kentucky State, Kentucky State was in Frankfurt, and Frankfurt was about an hour away from us. And, you know, Kentucky State's HBCU. So I met some people who went there, and they tell me, 
Well, they went caving themselves, but they did it with a whole bunch of black folk. And I guess like, ah, oh, that was that experience that, that I could have had. Maybe if I would have went to that HBCU, it was some of the things I, I missed out on, you know? Yeah. I, I can tell you, I can tell you like this though. Um, at, at Benedict, you know, being, you know, the stigma behind Benedict College, as we all from the same area, I can say if you're out of the state of South Carolina, say for instance, Virginia up or Georgia over, Benedict College is a great school for them. They, they go out and recruit kids to come from those other areas. And when they go out there, man, Benedict is, is giving a, a, such a great light. You know what I'm saying with the recruiters. So when kids come from out of out of, out of state, they they feel like they coming to a school like like for me. If I was going to Howard, it's like I'm going to Howard from South from Columbia, South Carolina. Kids coming from like Richmond, Virginia, saying I'm going to Benedict. That's how they sell Benedict out out, out of the state mm-hmm. because how bad the stigma is in state. You know, I'm a high school coach, and <laughs> I try to help Benedict recruit the state of South Carolina all the time. Kids from the state of South Carolina just don't want to go to Benedict because of, of of the stigma that's on them. But you know that's one HBCU that that's a bad experience for for HBCU. Just that negative impression that that is given from a lot of media uh, people. A lot of people who never step foot on to HBCU give their own opinions about HBCUs, not knowing what's really going on there. So like then you have the school like North Carolina or Howard, fam, fam, using all those that are like the upper echelon of the HBCUs, and people would, would look down on them because of their thought process of a Benedict in the South Carolina State. You, you get what I'm saying about HBCU? No. So those are the, those are the negative uh, connotations that you get when you start start talking about HBCU that you don't get when you talk about PWI. Now, now full disclosure, uh, Anton was contractually ob- obligated to say fam you. He had to say fam you at least once, probably twice, because you see his wife in the background. She she's a proud fam you grad. Uh so so you know he had he had to mention fam you at least once or twice. <laughs> at least once or twice during the broadcast. <laughs> now 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 something I'm interested in, Chance, you sent your daughter to a uh, to a HBCU, Tennessee State. Tennessee State is kind of an interesting HBCU because they weren't in the uh, MEAC or the SWAT conference when it comes to athletics. They were actually in my conference. I got to see Tennessee State a lot um, because they were in the Ohio um, Valley Conference. They're in the Ohio Valley Conference. So uh, Tennessee State actually, you know, didn't play games against, you know, against black colleges and stuff like that. And so, but, but what was your mentality? You and your wife both uh, graduated from Memphis. Both of you guys were athletes at Memphis. What was you guys' thought process when you said, okay, I, I, I want to give my daughter the okay or I, I encourage my daughter to go to Tennessee State? Or did you encourage her to go to Tennessee State? First and foremost, she got a full academic scholarship, so we didn't have to pay to go there. So that's number one for sure. Hey, it was free, free school, and we was all about it. Um, we got a lot of friends and stuff that live in the, the Nashville area that can look after her. And then, you know, you start breaking down, you know, going to HBCU. Um, other, other than y'all three guys, y'all still stay close to home, you know, Georgia, South Carolina. 
I'm in uh, Arkansas, and she pretty much goes to a PWI high school. <laughs> so, I mean, she needed to learn, you know, some of her culture and all that stuff in college. So we was all about it. And that offer came through when she applied for that. And um, the, I think the biggest thing is seeing other black people that have the same goals or better goals or, you know, everybody trying to move in that same direction at that same school. You know, you got everybody there. A lot of the teachers are African-American. Um, you know, you build these relationships with people who are trying to better themselves instead of, you know, where I am, a lot of a lot of the, the black people aren't, you know, real ambitious, if, to say the least. So it's like, all you see is uh, rich, successful white people in my area, not, not a whole bunch of successful black people. And going to Tennessee State, she gets to see that other side of the spectrum, that it is a lot of us that's trying to do good things and uh, trying to make a difference in this world. So I was really um, encouraged that she wanted to go there. And then, you know, of course, I pushed it. Now, now that's, that's interesting, you know, that, that she would choose that school. Now, now Dre, and, and, and you brought up a good point that she uh, went to a predominantly white high school. She went to a predominantly white high school, so you kind of felt it was good for her to get her culture by going to a, a black a, a black college. Now, Dre, you don't, Dre has the youngest. Dre, Dre has a baby, you know, your baby, little baby, probably what, 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 eight months or a year? Yeah, nine, that's nine months now. Yeah, nine months. <clears throat> so so how does this thought process, as you hear stuff from, from Chance and you hear stuff from Anton going, does this does it enter your mind this early about sending your daughter to HBCU? Uh, well, I mean, it's definitely definitely gonna be a part of everything because uh, my wife graduated from Clapham University. You know, she graduated from there with honors and everything. So of course, she had her, you know, HBCU experience as well. And um, so it kind of probably be like a fifty fifty thing. I'm more or less, you know, probably like you know, just allow you know allow her to. Pick and choose, you know, make her own decision, you know, just like my stepson. You know, he's 14, you know, I'm pushing him to, you know, get on top of his work so he can try to be like Chan's daughter and get an academic scholarship, you know, to wherever, you know, that gives him an offer. So, you know, and I told him the same thing. Like, look, this is your life. <laughs> like, we done lived our life. Like, do not. I'm like, I'm not trying to influence him to go anywhere in particular. You know, I hope his, you know, his mom don't try to influence him as well because I'm just like, you know, I'm big on – I guess pro-choice, like you make your own decision at the end of the day, therefore you can't look back and regret, you know, the decision that you made. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, now one thing I also want to talk about, now we're all athletes. We're all athletes. All of us went to college, you know, played, played, played a sport in college. Um, the, the, the change in society, you know, just a lot of everything going on with Black Lives Matter and and, and we have some young kids who are, who are actually really woke right now. We start off with um, Makua Makua, who decided to go who decided to go to Howard, you know, and that that was huge to have this our uh, top basketball player. He makes that decision. He wants to go to a HBCU, and then you look all the way over in Mississippi, the great prime time, Deion Sanders. He decided he wanted to be a head coach. At HBCU. And so 
for the longest when it came to athletics, the stigma was you can't go to an HBCU if you want to go to the next level. And, you know, once, uh, you know, if you look back toward the beginning, you go even farther back, HBCUs was where all the great athletes went anyway. You know, all your great NFL Hall of Famers, you know, they went to HBCUs. And then once segregation, uh, desegregation happened, then they started going to PWI. So let, let's look at this from the athletic standpoint. How do you feel about kids now making that decision? Uh, should they go to HBCUs or, or should they stick with the PWI? Hey, a lot of it, a lot of it got to do with money, man. Um, you know, especially back in the day, they was really paying these people to go to their schools, the predominantly white institutions. So they had way more money to, to pay their kid, pay this kid, buy a mama a house. You know, they living in the hood, but they trying to get up out of it. They gonna make a business decision on what school they gonna go to. So they were like, hey, I might want to go to this hometown HBCU, but they gonna give me five hundred thousand dollars to come to this school. I, I don't know. I don't know the exact amount of money because I didn't get no money when I went to school. So, <laughs> but I know it did happen, and it, it probably still happening to some degree right now. But I mean, as time goes on, you know, that's just you build your team with that many people, and then see you got a great team, and then you know more people want to come play for that school. So it's kind of a domino effect, and then the kind of HBCU kind of get left in the background. And then now it's like, oh, I'm not going to that school. They, they're not as good. And they don't have the facilities and stuff that impress these young kids, you know. I'm glad you hit on that. Go ahead, Tom. Go ahead, Gorge. I got something. Yeah, I'm glad you hit on that one big word when you said facilities. Because you look at some of these SEC schools and stuff like that, man, they – you look at Clemson, man. They uh, uh, Alabama. One of the Clemson built a pool with a slide, you know, a water slide, and they got game rooms and all of that stuff. All of that stuff that they can offer these kids, you know, when you come on a recruiting visit. Now, I myself, I coached at Allen University. I coached football at Allen University when they restarted their uh, their football program. I was uh, one of the coaches doing that restart, and. Wow, coming from my school, going to Allen, that was woo, that was that was a culture shock. But you talk about poor. Allen wasn't even poor. They were poor. They couldn't afford to win the arm, man. <laughs> it was a bad situation over there. And, and you know, it, I, I'm looking at certain things, and I'm like, I'm I'm telling the kids, okay, well, you need to go and get a massage in the training room. And they looking at me like, what training room? What massage? You know, this, this don't happen over here. And so. Now you can see it's hard to, to tell a 17-year-old if you've seen all of this good stuff over here at this PWI, why would I go to this HBCU and they don't have it? You know, I realized myself, a lot of my black pride, my black consciousness came as I got older. You know, at, when I was a kid, I wasn't as pro-black as I am now. But, but Sly, let me tell you like this. As for me and my household, if they ain't got a scholarship to a PWI and I got paid for it, HBCU all day long. Gotcha. That, that's, that's, if it's coming out of my check, 
if I got to pay for any kind of schooling, they're going to go to HBCU. Now, it can be the HBCU or they choosing. I'm fine with that, but it's going to be one. But um, as, as far as you talk about athletic, athletics and stuff, um, the way the way it's going to happen is it's pretty much happening right now with these schools getting out of the MEAC and getting out of the SWAC and getting into these white conferences. That's going to be the start. Mm. That's going to be the start with with the A and T's and the um, and the Howards getting into the Big South and then start to roll in the Big South. They they're going to start recruiting a different player. A different player wants to play against those kind of teams. It's not going to happen in the Power Five. I'm sorry, they're not going. To, they're not going to out. HBCU is not going to have any kind of uh, any kind of threat to a Power Five. It's not going to happen. Yeah. But to the Coastal Carolinas and the Furmans and the and the uh, uh, who else? Newberries and the smaller um, F, uh, FBS. That's what HBCUs are going to have to compete with, and 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 getting into their conferences. Athletes are athletes is athlete. You know what I mean? Okay, that's a good, that's a good point. Yeah. Now, and they know those conferences. They pay. They it's a part. It's part of being in that conference. You get money out of the conference. And that's going to facilities also. Now, see, it's interesting you bring, you bring that up. You bring that up. And all of us being football players, I think we look at a lot of things from a football side. But okay. I think basketball is the only – I think – see, with basketball, all you need is three players. Right. If you had three of the top ten players in high school said, all right, we won and done. We only gonna be in college for a year, you know. We already projected to be high draft picks our senior year in high school. Why not we all just get together and decide to go to South Carolina State? You know that I think can change the whole balance of power of everything because right. because with TV now everybody's on TV. Mm-hmm. You know, if you are a Division One school. You play on TV because there's so many ESPNs, those little college packages, you know, the Fox Sports regional regional channels. Everybody's on TV. Football, I don't think we'll ever be able to compete with, with Power Five conferences. I just – I don't see it happening. But basketball, I think it can happen. What, what about you, Coop? You're pretty tall, dude. <laughs> what do you think about that? Well, I mean, really, how I feel about it, it literally just need to be a movement. Like, like literally, all African American players go to HBCU. You know what I'm saying? Like, it literally got to be a movement like that. Therefore, it's gonna shift this money. Anton was talking about to these historical black colleges because, like you say, you got these top tier athletes going to these black colleges. ESPN gonna come running. You know what I'm saying? They got to offer that school X amount of dollars to, to televise all their games. You know what I'm saying? Then, of course, they can take the money and start to, you know, invest and, you know, build up the facilities. You know, of course, then now, like you say, you got these top-tier players going to these uh, historical black colleges. Now, of course, like you say, the, the Clemson is going to come calling. The Duke going to come calling because I want to play against your team because I know you got top-tier talent on there. But like I say, it's going to definitely shift the power because now these PWIs are literally PWIs only. You know what I'm saying? And so – that was literally like evolution, like the whole change, everything about the whole game itself. But it's just like, of course, 
you know, I mean, just being realistic, it's just like, you know, it's not going to happen. But like I said, if that was to happen, then that would really shift everything, change everything, you know, put the money in the black colleges and, like you say, put them at the forefront, you know, for these, you know, these African-American athletes, first thing they think about is going to HBCU instead of, like you say, going to a PWI. And one thing, hold Sly, even with the money from the ESPNs and all that going to HBCU, if everybody follows it's the endowments that still, yeah. That those, the mother schools, the endowments, they 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 ain't gonna miss that that money that much. They right. miss it that much. Hey, hey. hey. It, it'll hurt now. Hey. Hey. I know hey. I know a lot of these schools got big endowments, but when you take away some of them big time uh, conference, them conference network checks, that that that'll slow them down. That'll make them think a little bit. Exactly. SEC getting thirty million. Per year, per team, thirty something million. Yeah, I mean that's that's. I don't care how rich you is. You 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 stop getting that thirty million, you gonna you gonna be like, dang, I missed that. <laughs> but you you know it's funny you mentioned thirty million that SEC get, and that's more than probably the entire athletic budget of the NIAC. For the whole me, the whole me, that might be they. Each school's athletic budget, and, and and one thing that 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 I really hate that HBCUs do, but I understand that they have to do it. They take some of these money games, you know. And this is this is real in football. This is really. When I look at Savannah State. Savannah State. This is about five six years ago. They went and played Florida State. Then they went and played Oklahoma State. Florida State paid them nine hundred thousand dollars to play. And Oklahoma State gave them $1.2 million to play. They made $2.1 million in two games. That $2.1 million financed their entire athletic program for the next three years. You know, now, on the field, they got their ass mollywop. <laughs> they got mollywop two weeks in a row. I'm talking about it was so ugly on sport. <laughs> I remember one time when Fam you played Miami. Every time oh, I watched on Sports Center, every time Miami scored, they played a highlight from Fam U Band at halftime. That you know, it, it, that was the type of ass whipping that was handed out to Post Savannah State. But they had to take it. They had to take it. They needed that money. Yeah. So, so that that's sacrificial lambs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And that's one thing I wish that that Dre Dre they're talking about this this TV money. See 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 what happens with these 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 TV deals like the SEC Network, the Big Ten Network, even BYU have their own network. You know, they get X amount of dollars from ESPN. I, I don't know the number, but let's just say ESPN give the SEC five hundred million dollars to have. They have first right of a refusal for every game that's played in the ACC, in the SEC. Uh, ESPN has first right of refusal for it because they paid that $500 million. Now, if you get all this black talent, and I'm saying on the basketball side, and football is hard. Football, you need so many players. Basketball, you don't need that many players. But let's just imagine you get all this black talent and they stay in the MEAC whether it be South Carolina State, Chopping State, whoever. Well, fam, going to the SWAT. But anyway, you stay in one 
this one conference. Now the MEAC has some leverage. The MEAC can go to S go to ESPN and say, look, if you want to have the MEAC television network, it's going to cost you $500 million. Now, imagine that the MEAC get $500 million to divide between all these schools. It's a trickle. Yeah. See, everything gets better. Now, all the facilities get better. As a matter of fact, Dion, when Dion got hired at Jackson State, one of the first things he said was, we're building a new uh, athletic facility. We're trying to get a new stadium. Jackson State plays in a uh, – they don't have their own stadium. They play in a city stadium. They play in a, a, a municipal stadium that's owned by the city, and the city wants to tear that stadium down because it's prime real estate. So now Jackson State needs their own stadium. So imagine you got that big ESPN uh, contract. And your cut for the ESPN contract is that thirty million a year. So that that's my thing. It, it can happen, but it has to. It has, in my opinion, it has to happen with basketball. When we talk the sports, the sports side, it has to happen with basketball. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'll say this: it ain't necessarily to bash HBCUs or whatever. It's just more or less. Like I went a couple years ago. I went to go see. Uh, it was a. Uh, North Carolina A&T versus uh, Grammar for the championship in Atlanta. And, you know, like you say, we play football, you know, eat, sleep, and die football. You know what I'm saying? And it's like watching that game, you know, from my perspective, it's just like, wow. Like, literally, Grambling's coming out here, just going five wide, and the quarterback is just dropping back, letting the receivers just run around till he finds him a lane, and he darts out. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, this is literally their offense. Five wide, y'all go run around the field. I'm going to find me a lane and get me six, seven, eight yards. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, wow, like y'all offense is that basic. You know, then I turn around and I'm looking at NT and I'm like, okay, y'all got wide receivers running routes on top of each other. You know, it's like, it's like they running back was pretty much they star players. So of course, they were handing the ball and, you, you know, do his thing, get some yards or whatever the case may be. And it was just like, you from just my start, perspective. You just started running back for Chicago now. Tyreek, right. yeah. Right. Go ahead, my so bad. I'm just, so I'm just looking like to sit up here and to watch this. You know, I've never seen neither team play, and I'm like, I done figured out both y'all offense, you know, within the first quarter. It's just like, come on, y'all got to put a better product on the field. You know what I'm saying? It's like, that, all come back, that all come back to money, Dre. Yeah. If they coach making $50,000 a year, I'm going to go coach at, uh, at uh, Tennessee uh Alabama somewhere and <laughs> get me a couple a million uh you know at least nine hundred thousand or so I'm not you ain't gonna get the top the best coaches I mean there are some don't get me wrong but you're not gonna get the best quality of coach there and then especially the assistant coaches that's that's where that's where the difference is for sure probably the head coach make good a little bit of money but the assistant coaches probably making as much as people high school coaches who are teachers and coaches too. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know a couple of them that you know they ain't they ain't making very much, very much cheese, and you gotta you gotta make those decisions, those life decisions when you're an adult like that. You know, you got a family, you gotta take care of. Yeah, I, I can say this. I can say this, man. I probably make probably about seven, uh, about about three thousand dollars less than what an assistant coach at Benedict making right now, and I'm coaching high school football. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's real. And I'm I'm an assistant, assistant coach in the high school football team, and I'm I'm probably about three thousand dollars less than what, because I know a lot of them cats too, man. And yeah, they got other jobs. Some of them you know drive for enterprise. You know, <laughs> got a lot of different yeah. little, little jobs they do, just to, you know make the ends meet. But at the same time, they are getting that experience though. You know, a lot of them cats, a lot of them are younger. They 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 try and pursue different avenues. Because I know one of the coaches from South Carolina State. Defense back coach. Um, you know, he's one of the guys recruiting my, my school a lot. Now he's at University of Kansas, you know, from South Carolina State to University of Kansas. Now he's in the Power Five, just like that. Cause like he, I said, they get they start there, and then where they go? Power yeah, Five. Yeah, you I go, mean, they, they go, don't stay go, there. Money. It's the money always. Oh, yeah. I mean, that that's a big reason why you're not going to see the quality of coaching. That's why I'm saying. That's why I'm saying it's not even that you're not going to get the quality. He's a quality coach. He wouldn't be at Kansas right now if he was a quality coach. For sure. You know what I'm saying? He just went for plenty. But the problem is though, he's a quality coach, just like you said. He is a quality coach. But we're losing him. Yeah, you're losing him. Quality coaches, you know, because somebody else paid. So whoever replaced him ain't a quality coach yet. You know what I'm saying? The guy there, he ain't a quality coach yet. And when he becomes a quality coach, somebody gonna come get him. Somebody gonna come get him. What they need to do is, you see that quality coach, you make him a head coach in a HBCU somewhere instead of letting him get away to be assistant coach at a Power Five or somewhere. Yeah, that's why. That's why I say too, though. You know. Definitely give him, make him a head coach somewhere, a uh, coordinator somewhere in HBCU. Yeah. Well, but then he gonna be like, well, shit, that's not enough money. <laughs> right. I mean, like you said, of course, a coach, coach dream pretty much just like a player's dream. A dream is to get to the NFL. So it's like, how many coaches can I say? Like you say, made it from the HBCU sideline to, you know, pro team. You know what I'm saying? So, like you say, the route was kind of built for them to go to a PWI, you know what I'm saying, to reposition themselves you know, to get that, that notoriety and then, you know, move on to the next look. Right. You know, in case our, you know, our listeners are wondering, if you, you know we're, we're all ex-athletes. So it's funny how this conversation kind of shifted to the athletic side. But it, <laughs> it's all because we are, we are athletes. I don't want to say ex-athletes. You're never ex-athletes. I'm going to always be forever a Division One athlete. Forever. Yeah, one day playing me. <laughs> that that's about it, bro. Give me one good play, then it's off to the sideline for the rest of the <laughs> rest of rest of the month, probably. <laughs> Give me a big a bath. <laughs> but uh, but 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 before we get out of here, man, you know it's a one issue that I want Tom to kind of talk about as an HBCU and, and us three. We can talk about also as going to PWIs. One thing I really appreciate about HBCUs is the the network that HBCUs have. The the uh, the alumni network. When you go to homecoming and stuff like that, you see the people that you seen you went to school with, and it's just such a, a tight. It seems to be a tight community with HBCUs, and and me going to a PWI, I don't have that. I don't have that community. You know, if you take away the few people on the football team I still talk to, and 
I know absolutely nobody at EKU. I actually met a guy I worked with. I met a guy that uh, calls games with me also. He went to EKU the same exact time I went to. Had no idea he was in Atlanta. I mean, I knew him by passing from, from college. Because like I say, college, it was so small, you had to know all the black folks. But once I left EKU, or once he left EKU, I lost touch with him. You know, we don't we don't keep that that network that that communication from our P, that PWIs. You speak on that, like you and your wife, and you know your wife is going to fam you, and you know keeping that keeping that line of, of communication. Well, I think um you know the alumni part of, of coming from HBCU is like you um. It's actually, you know, I keep saying HBCU. I'm an alum of Benedict College, but it's like a family. HBCU is like, we can talk about each other. I can talk about Claflin. I can talk about the state. But nobody else outside of whoever went to HBCU, they're not talking about one. That's that family bond that that, that you get from HBCU. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, you always got the homecomings, the reunions, whatever. Matter of fact, my wife is downstairs right now going over her dance routine for her 20th uh, band reunion. That's, that's supposed to went on for um, for homecoming down in um, Tallahassee. But uh, they doing a virtual. They ain't dancing off that WAP, is it? <laughs> they doing a, vir- a virtual dance show, you know what I mean? It's like, a, it's, it's, it's a big time, whatever, you know what I mean? And I think, you know, this is my opinion of the PWI, you know, I would have went to one if, if if I was my great father, right? <laughs> I went to one. I was trying to get you to Memphis, man. I know you was, and I ain't want that, right? But I'm North Carolina State come from boy. Yep. But um at a PWI, you know, they, they force, they try to force that African American experience. Like you have your African American association. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have that at HBCU. You are a family already, you know. But that's that's the difference I think with that bond we have that's going to a uh, historically black college university. Hmm. Well, what, what about you, Dre? You still have any of that bond from, because maybe my PWI experience is different. You still have that bond from people at Wingate that you knew? Uh, no, nah, not really. I got like a, maybe like a handful of people. Of course, I'm still tight with my roommates. We still, you know, basically through social media, we still connected. Um, Couple of my teammates I kind of ran into through social media over the years, so we we're, we we're kind of chatting. Matter of fact, one of them he actually made a Doritos commercial that was a part of a Super Bowl um, a few years back. But um, but yeah, like it's like as far as that big, like you said, that family feel, or you know, like everybody's reaching out and oh man, how you doing? And this, that, and third, nah, not at all. Like, I mean, we just kind of eventually once everybody parted ways, that was pretty much it. So. Yeah, definitely um, totally different experience as far as the connection part of it. That's hilarious to me because I sit and I look at, like, homecoming, you know, it's such a big deal, you know, uh, black folk going back to their homecoming. And I hadn't been to one EKU homecoming since I left. <laughs> exactly. <Wow>. Same here. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. heard about one. Being back was when they had the 20-year uh, reunion. Well, us winning the conference championship. That's the only time I went back. If it wasn't football related, you know, I, the only time I went back, they had a um, uh, a ceremony. We have a a wall a wall of athletes at the north corner of the football stadium. Everybody 
who led her to, uh, you know, played on the football team, you know, your name's on this wall, wall of athletes, but, you know, wall of fame. I forgot. I don't even know the name of it. That's, that's, that's how much I tell you, but I don't even know the name of it. You know, that's the only other time I went back. He can see my name on the wall. Yeah, we ain't even had no field at Wingate. We was playing at Monroe High School. Mm. Uh, we don't want to talk about no field now. Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> they got a nice stadium over there now. Now they got a nice thing coming up in the world. Hey, hey, they they sold that stadium to me in '98. They ain't get that stadium until '03. Right. I'm about to no, say. no, it's in '04. There you go. But they, hey. they ain't lied to you, though. They ain't lied they, to you. No, they sold they it to me. Lied to me. <laughs> They just got it late. Yeah. Hey, it's looking nice down there now. You know, Trump gave them some money and everything, so they good. <laughs> <laughs> they take that dirty money. Yeah. yeah. Still green, though. That's all that matters. It's still insane. Well, wow, man. This this gotta be an interesting, you know. Um, just just learning a little bit about that HBCU experience. I know we went off on the sports side a little bit more than some people would imagine, but hey, yeah, we all athletes, <laughs> you know, that that's what we know. <laughs> if, you know, if you want to know about the science department, you might want to talk to somebody else. <laughs> you want to talk to somebody else. Right. Yeah, we got a couple of other people on the, on the uh, team that, that can talk about that stuff. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Well, man, we're getting close to, we're getting close to time, man, so we won't get out of here. You know, any final thoughts for you, Drake? Uh, any final thoughts? Well, man, just like I say, everybody stay up. You know, stay corona free. And uh, as far as going to these PWIs and the HBCUs, man, at the end of the day, gotta take the money wherever the money at. Because at the end of the day, you don't want no student loan coming back to haunt you, hitting you in the head for, you know, they ain't on APR and you paying back for years on end and all this other stuff. So get get your money. <laughs> That's all I can tell you. And what about you, Chad? Right, I got I got two quick things. For one, the homecoming experience at Memphis is is excellent. We have a great time every year. Me and my wife go every year. We have we kick it. And when I was playing, we weren't real good, but they they got a real good squad now. So we used to come out with a W. And then uh, the second thing I'm talking about is um, HBCUs. We didn't talk about their bands. That's a, it's pure entertainment, man. Hey. If you don't see nothing else, you need to go check out them bands at the, you know, the Tennessee States, Jackson States, and stuff like that, man. They put on a show. And uh, you. we hadn't talked about talked about that at all, but I, I wanted to put that out there. All right. What about you, Tom? Uh, I want to say, you know, make your make right decision, man. Make your first choice your best choice. Uh, as far as going to HBCU or PWI, it's really about how you feel. It, it's your your it, what you, what makes you comfortable. Yeah, you know, I'll just give you that choice to say, give it a chance, though. You know, don't just don't just discard it right off the top, saying I don't want to be around all these black folks. <laughs> give it a try first before you say that. You know, yeah, some of y'all Caucasians, y'all can get minority scholarships as well. Don't forget about it. Right, you right. Get, go after the money, like you said. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, that's all I Chase got. Chase the bag. Chase the bag. All right. Well, man, it's been another great episode here on the Rift 28 podcast, man. You know, just talking a little bit about HBCUs and PWIs, you know, the benefits of both. Um, but as for me and mine, I do 
appreciate what Anton Bennett said, and I think that's going to be my new philosophy right there for my son. My son, he's 11. He's in the sixth grade. You know, if college is his thing in the future, you know, if you can go for free, you know, I don't have no choice in it. But if I got to pay for it, you're going to HBCU. So you can get a little bit of blackness in your system. So I, I like that that philosophy, and I think I'm going to have to use that one for myself. But I want to thank all our viewers for checking us out, checking us out on the uh, on the RIP 28 podcast. And I want to make sure, let everybody know, let everybody know and everybody know well, if you want to follow us or you want to um, – uh, boy, I'm getting all tongue-tied. Follow us. Make sure that you subscribe to us. Make sure you subscribe on the uh, YouTube, on our YouTube page. Click that subscribe button. If you want to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter at the RIP28 Podcast. And you can follow us on Facebook at RIP28, Instagram, RIP28 Podcast. We're on SoundCloud. Make sure you check us out. Make sure you check us out on all your streaming platforms at the RIP28 Podcast. Well, it has been a great time, a great moment for all of us. We've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed you all being here. We're going to get out of here with a little bit of music from Hero called Freedom. This is our theme song. We'll see you next week here on the RIP 28 podcast. My boy bombing too.